Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And we are wrapping up You Need to Calm Down Week. Yes. We're bringing you some hate crimes. Amber covered Brandon Tina uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And today I am going to bring you the absolute heartbreaking case of Matt Shepard. Oh. And if you grew up in the 90s, especially the late 90s, you, you know saw, that. yeah, yeah. You saw yeah. Matt's face. You know what this is about. But we thought we don't really enjoy covering cases that have been heavily covered. And Matt's case has made so many changes in the world that we felt for our younger listeners that may not know of him mm-hmm. that we should bring them, bring yeah. him to them. As young as we feel that we are, time goes on. And these <laughs> these were my case was also pretty well known but as time goes on we don't want these to be forgotten right lost and especially not with what's been going on just the past couple of years in the world today that we live in with hate crimes um, I think it's important to keep this going and to remind people that this is very real still yeah even today yeah we've come a long way but we still have a ways to go for sure in cases like Matt really helped to pioneer some changes that we're seeing today but they're still not enough so Let's get right down to it, shall we? Let's do it. If you've been an avid listener of ours, first of all, we sincerely thank thank you. But you know that we always strive to give all the information that we come across, even if it contradicts what the narrative is. So today when I talk about the tragic murder of Matthew Shepard, as the media called him, Matthew, but really when you read the book that his mom wrote, oh, it was such a great book book. I really recommend you guys go out and read it. It's called The Meaning of Matthew, My Son's Murder in Laramie and the World Transformed by Judy Shepard with John Barrett. She talks about how everyone knows him as Matthew Shepard, but to us, he was Matt. Yeah. He's just Matt. And so I know many years have passed. This happened. This tragedy happened in 1998. It's 2021. Lots of time has passed. The trials have passed. Mass media coverage has happened. And there has been room for skeptics to come forward and throw their opinion into things. And so I just wanted to get the elephant in the room out right now and say that, yep, I found lots of information that tried to claim that this wasn't a hate crime. But you know what? I'm not the one that lost a son. I'm not the one that lost a friend that lost a brother. And as you'll see in the statements made by the perpetrators, There's no doubt in my mind, even without being close to Matt, that this was a hate crime. But there is information out there. If you go researching it yourself, you're going to find conspiracy theories that believe that this actually didn't even happen, which is just disgusting to me. It's funny because I found some of that, too. We talked before I started mine that I had found some things, too, that said that it didn't happen or it was a conspiracy. And I decided to just leave it out because... Exactly. Um, You'll find out one of the articles that I read actually said that they reached out to the Matthew Shepard Foundation that his parents have since created and tried to discuss with them how they believe that this never really even happened. And they simply replied, we have no time at this foundation to buy into conspiracy theories. And it's so 
it's so true to to suggest that a young life wasn't lost mm-hmm. is disgusting first of all especially once you hear the details of how it was lost but then the people that have the audacity and you'll you'll hear about one dude who wrote a whole book about it if you want to read it you know go ahead but which you don't need skinny white girls permission over here to read a book <laughs> by the way i'm aware of that but just i'll know, allow it you know Just know that there is a book out there called The Book of Matt, Hidden Truths About the Murder of Matthew Shepard by Stephen Jimenez. He's received a whole bunch of acclaim from one side of the spectrum and a whole bunch of criticism from the other. And I can usually how it goes. Yep. And I can see why. So just for the sake of making sure that I brought our listeners both sides of this and that you know that I did deep research, I did read some of that book. Um, I didn't read all of it. I wasn't. I wasn't uh, enthralled with that at all. I'll get more in a minute to why Jimenez believed that there was a lot that was covered up to try to transform this into a hate crime. And I guess, quite frankly, all of the good that has come of this, even if it wasn't in other people's eyes a hate crime, it's still a good thing that all this stuff came from it. So shut your pie hole. (laughs) So some good things, some changes came from it. Absolutely. For the LGBTQ community, a hundred percent in legislation. So you know what? Just pies shut. Yeah, holes of pies shut. (laughs) Keep those holes shut. Okay. No. (laughs) No. Yeah. I I mean, I'm obviously familiar with the case. I know you told me a little bit about kind of that flip side that I wasn't as familiar with because we've always known it as a hate crime. Yeah. And a big one, and got attention for being that. So. I'm curious about the other side, but it's... Listen, the other side is not that interesting. The other side is just that, oh, nope, it was a robbery. Um, It was a drug deal gone bad. And if all of that had come out in the media, then people wouldn't have been as interested about his death. I disagree. I disagree with that, too, because it was such a horrible, brutal death. Exactly. Regardless of what happened, you know, the events leading up to it, it's disgusting. And you'll see, when I give you actual quotes from the perpetrators, you're going to be like, oh, okay, yeah. So I'm I'm with the family on this one. It was a hate crime. I don't believe, even if it wasn't a hate crime, that all the good that has come of it to raise awareness to hate crimes and for the community that... It was a bad thing anyway to use this to steer things forward. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, agreed. Also, there was some poorly written and poorly researched articles that I really just had to draw attention to this one because it talked about how he this particular person was going into how he believed this didn't even happen and that all the players were fake. Okay, that everyone in Laramie was like a part of this or that was ma- named as a part of this were all fake people because he did Google searches. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Watch out now. I am here to tell you, if you Google Charnel, you are going to find a bunch of beautiful black women that have <laughs> way more of a social media presence than I do. <laughs> okay. But I'm here to tell you that I am a you real, real person. You, I'm looking at you right now. I am a skinny white girl just doing a podcast and raising four boys. Okay? I'm very real. But just because you... But that's not going to show up, huh? Yeah. Just, just because you do a basic Google search on my name and find all different other kinds of people that aren't me doesn't mean I'm not me. 
So this dude who wrote this article that was like, I Googled Judy Shepard, and do you know she doesn't even exist? Blah, blah, blah. Wow. Um, wow, that's a pretty far-fetched and bizarre oh, yeah. Yes. Um, so I'm just warning you, yeah. all, all that's out there yeah. um, if you choose to fall down that I'm, rabbit hole. I'm good on that yeah. one. I'm good, but oh, so I'm so going to Google your that. name, though, later, because you're, I do want to see what comes up. You really should. <laughs> so many beautiful women that are not me. That are not And you. then all of a sudden, once since you know me, when you get to me, you're like, oh, that's underwhelming compared to what I've found. <laughs> but anyway, in 2000, this Jimenez character that wrote the book, he went to Laramie to research the story of Matthew's murder. His original intention was to write a screenplay reenacting the story of homophobic violence that everyone, including Jimenez himself, believed as gospel. But instead, he claims to have discovered multiple layers of secrets surrounding this case that had not been originally reported to the media. Now, you and I both know that the media transforms things how they want to on every story, right? Yes. So that's not groundbreaking news for me at all. So he writes this whole big book about how, oh, all of this stuff was was hidden in the media to propel him forward um, as a hate crime against the LGBTQ community. You know what? Even if even if this was a robbery gone bad, um, Matthew, Matt Shepard was openly gay. And this was uh, the slurs that were used against him both before his death and then when interviewing the perpetrators after his death make it very obvious that if even if their intention was to rob, they clearly had an issue with him being gay yeah. as well. So that is a part of it. Yeah, yeah. So even if the intention was like a robbery, right. the, the Which undertones I don't believe of it was their... Because he had $20 in his wallet, Amber. So, no, this wasn't a robbery. But these are those are the things that Jim... I'm just letting you know that Jim and Ez gotcha. is claiming. Okay, yep. so... And what he's trying to use is like groundbreaking information to sell his damn book. I recommend that you read the book by Matt Shepard's mom. And she does... I mean, honestly, it's not like this book written about how... Um, perfect and amazing her son was and he was a beautiful soul he he was so good looking and he was and he was just so kind but she makes no qualms about like putting little details in that showed that he is human like the rest of us and not perfect Mm -hmm. and I just loved that she was so down to earth in this book but anyway so that's my most compelling source just so you all know let's see and she also pointed out that Matt is so much more than what, if you Google search him, and it's so true, you're going to find the quote, Matthew Shepard, the gay 21-year-old University of Wyoming college student. I mean, that's that's what a basic Google search will get you about him. And she's like, you know what? He was so much more than that. Let me kind of get into, into that for you. So Matthew Wayne Shepard was born on December 1st. 1976 to Judy and Dennis Shepard in Casper, Wyoming. Judy's water broke the day before on the 30th of November. And Dennis was away for work, which is something that he was uh, quite frequently. His job was very demanding. So she drove herself to the hospital. Oh, wow. Actually. <laughs> and then after 40 hours of labor, <gasps> oh. I know, ended up having a cesarean section, which was not ideal for her, but it gave Dennis a chance to make it there for the birth, even though they were having a, a really bad snowstorm. So poor Dennis had to drive through this horrific snowstorm just to get to his laboring wife, but he was able to be there. <laughs> this and sounds I'm just like, similar to my situation, but it, it wasn't 40. It was like 
plus 20 plus hours, but I know I was there. Uh, yes, you are <laughs> ending in C-section. Yes. Yes, indeed. Matthew, I've just, I, I'm including this because of the, the way that he came into the world was so like headstrong. Like mm-hmm. he just, he came full force after a difficult, she described her pregnancy with him as perfect. She was never sick. It was really, she loved it. And of course, then the labor and delivery has to be totally opposite from the pregnancy, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then to make matters worth, worse, he was three weeks early. Oh, oh my gosh. So is this my pregnancy I know, or what? I know. I thought of that as well. Matt, and he was under five pounds. So he's just a little peanut Aww. of a baby. And he ended up being jaundiced and having colic. Oh my goodness. Which is pretty common for premature early babies mm-hmm. yeah early and yeah and I don't want to call him premature because three weeks is not considered necessarily premature but he was early and honestly even after being born under five pounds like myself he stayed a pretty petite dude mm-hmm. he was he was pretty small the other reason that I tell you this is because I want y'all to remember that he was someone's baby this is a mother a mother in her book remembering her birth story you know this this child who was taken at such a tragically young age she still has 21 years of memories with him. Yeah, that's her son. Being a, a baby, yes. So it just really bothered me after reading that to then go and read things that are trying to discredit his death, essentially. As a mother, that would be really difficult to, to know that that perspective's out there. Right. And, and like you said, someone's basically discrediting his death. It, like, yeah. Well, he was all these really bad things. So. Right, yep. So he shouldn't be a catalyst to make change for the community. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. His father had a, a demanding job, and although it paid well, it took him away from home a lot. Now, in the media, you hear things like Matt's family was well off, which was another thing that some people tried to pull at, like, oh, they had all kinds of money. Yeah, because his dad worked his ass off and had a good job. So it's amazing It's not like how, it was handed to them. No. It's amazing how when you work hard, you make good money, and then you get criticized for it? Shut Step the F down, up. Yeah. sir. But it also meant that because Dad had a demanding job and was away a lot, it meant that Judy and Matt spent a lot of alone time together during his early years. Do you know the most important years of development are birth to five? I know you know that, Amber. But <laughs> I was going to say, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that is for a whole different podcast. Judy remarked that she always felt that her and Matt had a bond that went beyond the typical mother-son bond due to her time, their time depending on one another for company in the first five oh, years. That gives me the feels. I know. Then in 1981, Judy gave birth to their second son, Logan. Now, she was worried, and I so remember having this worry, that how could I possibly love a second child as much as I love this first child? Like, you, until you have subsequent children, you don't understand that there is room in your heart just as equally for to each child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, you know, it's really hard to I get the fear, understand. though. That's how I felt with my dogs. Like, yeah, how I re- can I love this new dog as much? But it's, it's very a, possible. That is true. We had that conversation. Yes. Since I only have one child, just to clarify. Right. right. <laughs> For those that don't know, I, I'm not discrediting well, my, my human child. Right. But it is a very real fear that I, I remembered. And interestingly enough, from the second to the third child, I didn't have that fear. I knew it doesn't matter. I You're can like, have I'm all good. the babies and I'm I can love them mm-hmm. all the same. So 
but Matt's Judy was worried about that. She was also worried, like, how is Matt going to? I mean, they've had so much alone one-on-one time. How is Matt going to react to having some attention taken away from him? And as expected, there were some jealousy issues at first. Mm-hmm. She tells this really cute story actually about how Matt later in life admitted that when Logan started crawling, he used to step on his toes to make him cry. <laughs> Just because, you know, he was getting attention. Like such like something I would do. uh, Yes. Like as a big sister. My oldest used to tip my my middle son over when he started crawling. Just like (laughs) and he'd just roll over like a little roly poly. It didn't affect him at all. But I caught him doing that a couple of times, like Okay, jerk face. Yeah. Like, let's not <laughs> That's do enough. that. But then, interestingly enough, when it came time for him to walk, he was actually the one that taught my middle son how to walk. Oh, it was. We have pictures of it. It is very sweet. But so they do. They do grow to love each other, and that's no different for Matt and Logan. They became very close as they they grew as they up. Grow up. Mm-hmm. And actually, Matt was even. Even though he didn't super love having attention taken away from him, uh, Matt wrote his parents a note like, I know the Easter Bunny's not real, but Logan still expects a gift from the Easter Bunny, so you better make sure that you got one. Just very empathetic. Mm -hmm. And so many, so many sources that I found talked about what an empath Matt was. He was always feeling like looking out for other people and feeling really heavily and deeply for other people. And just in a way that most teenage boys growing up, you know, just don't. Yeah, yeah. So Aww. even though he was often teased about his small stature uh, and the fact that he was into theater instead of football, it didn't really matter. Matt was really friendly, charismatic, and he could relate to nearly anyone in a way that most young people just didn't. He also was really smart. He took classes in German and Italian, which he could speak. So impressive English on that. He spoke three languages. He was primarily raised in public school in Casper, Wyoming until his junior year of high school when he moved with his family to Saudi Arabia. Oh, wow. That's a big move. Yes. Well, dad's uh, because of his job job took him there. Yep. Matt completed his high school education at the American school in Switzerland because there was not an American high school in Saudi Arabia where they were at at the time. And this, so this was like a boarding school. And it, again, there was some criticism about, oh, that is a very costly school, blah, blah, blah. Okay, do you ever stop to think that perhaps the company his dad worked for had something worked out with the school that when we bring in employees from the United States that their children need schooling? Mm-hmm. It does not mean that they were super uber rich and had all the, these resources available to them. Okay, mm-hmm. it just like really bothered me the way that people. But also, I mean, that's Matt's a product of his parents. I mean, he was with his family. That's where he Correct. went to school. It's not exactly. You know, that's something. That's a weak criticism. It is. It is, and that, that's the thing. Like, I just feel like there's pulling at threads to try to fit their narrative to try to prove that this either never never happened or wasn't didn't happen for the purposes that people think it did. I feel like they're trying gross. to like de glorify the story a little bit like well it's not that yeah you know worth sharing or I don't know yeah I don't like it it's though stupid. I don't like it it's just it's you're dumb can, you're dumb okay <laughs> <laughs> can can we mention his 90s hair goals because oh. they were 
off the charts. He had it going for the, his on. time. The hair, oh my gosh, the hair was so good. I'm jealous of it. Me too. And I didn't even have a boy's haircut back then. I surprisingly, prob- probably at that time in my life, I was growing out of a mullet. So yeah, yeah, I guess that would be about right. It's like so the, the aftermath of one. Yeah, 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 for sure. So the bad aftermath. It's not easy to grow out a mullet. It was not. <laughs> So I am, he had great hair. He did. And he had actually said that in that boarding school, he met, he told his mom later, because even as an adult, him and his mom were very close. And he told his mom that those were the most kind people he would ever meet in his life was at that boarding school. But in both of his high schools, he was elected by his peers to be a peer counselor. Uh, He was easy to talk to, made friends easily. And actively fought for the acceptance of all people. That was really important to him. He had a really big passion for equality. And, I mean, if you think about it, this situation and being in Saudi Arabia and whatnot, he had friends all around the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he had this unique yeah. opportunity that most kids that age do not have. So after high school, he tried out a couple of different colleges, including Catawaba College in North Carolina, Casper College in Wyoming. But he eventually ends up being a political science major. He was very into politics, even at a young oh, wow. age. Again, going for fighting for equality, fighting for so he was passionate about making that changes. And- yes. Yep. Oh, nice. And so he is at the University of Wyoming in Laramie with a um, as a political science major and a minor in languages. He was actually chosen as the student representative for the envir- for the Wyoming Environmental Council. So his peers clearly think very highly of him. He mm-hmm. keeps getting nominated for all of these, you know, things and and he's a leader. I wanted to include this too. When he was 6, he would write poems poems and leave them in neighbors' mailboxes until one time a relative, I think it was his grandpa, told him that technically that's illegal and you need to have a stamp. So he started writing beautiful messages on rocks and leaving them for people. Oh my gosh. I know. My just heart just purest, melted. Right? That is so sweet. At six. He was doing that at six. Mm-hmm. Aw, that's a really good idea. I know. For anybody, like for, for, sure, for humanity. Leave this nice little rock. You're not hurting anything yeah. by writing on a rock. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go do that. I, know, I love that. Someday. I have a few rocks in my yard. I'm going to pick wanna, them up when I know. leave. <laughs> Don't mind me stealing your landscaping, Chardell. It's fine. Those damn rocks cost a lot of money. It's stupid. Oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> for something that our earth makes, man. You have to pay for, sure for them expensive. from other people. As I had mentioned in the beginning, Matt was a gay man. And it took him a really long time to come out to anyone, even to his mom. But Judy talked about how, like, she was like, no, I knew from a young age. Mm-hmm. And she was just being patient with him. Mm-hmm. And she probably knew even before he really realized it. He liked to dress up as Dolly Parton for Halloween. Love. I mean, it's Dolly. It's, it yeah. is Dolly, yes. And even when it wasn't Halloween, he would just like to play dress up as Dolly. Which, Aww. no judgment here, okay? Not <laughs> not at all. If I could pull off the breasts, I would play Dolly, too. Actually, Amber. Halloween oh costume gosh. idea. Yeah. You're gonna <laughs> there be, we go. I'm Dolly. You're DP from now on. Remember that I said his family lived um, abroad and he was attending boarding school, which he loved. There was a time when they went on like a senior class trip to Morocco, which the school wasn't super crazy about because there was a lot of safety concerns in Morocco at the time. 
And unfortunately, Matt was a victim of rape while he was there. Oh, my gosh. He ended up showing up at his friend's hotel door, shoeless, shirtless, screaming. Um, He had been taking a walk when he was pulled into an alley by six men and was robbed and raped. Oh, my gosh. That's horrible. I didn't know that. Yes. And so this happens, you know, his senior year of high school. He doesn't have his family around. It's just his friends. And after this event, he changed completely. He became really withdrawn. His mom said that he even started to like walk, like slumped over. Like Aww. he was just like very much into himself. He retreated mm-hmm. into himself and he went through some severe depression for about a year. I mean, right after that. So that's horrible. Yep. And it, it was then his freshman year in college when he came out to his mom. And Judy was very loving and accepting because this really wasn't a surprise to her at all. Um, but he was worried. He had a, um, I think his name was Walt. He had a, a counselor in his life that, well, a mentor, I guess, is really more how it was described in his life. He was the first person that Matt actually came out to. And he had said that he was really worried that his parents, even though he had great, loving, ex, you know, accepting parents, he was worried, I think, as most people are, to tell them this news. And so when he told his mom, he was like, I'll tell dad, don't tell dad, mm-hmm. I'll do this. But Judy was like, okay, this this took so much courage and I want this to go right. So she actually did go and tell Dennis, not to be spiteful or harmful to Matt in any way, but more of you, you will. Ha- that's right. Be you accepting. Ha- and you <laughs> handle this with care. Oh my God, I love his mom. <laughs> and do not say something that you can't take back just out of a gut reaction. You Aww. know, how you. That makes it, me all the well, feels for again. Sure, like, for, honestly, is this where Matt gets his empathy from? Because it could be. You can see where she is like. I know Dennis isn't going to have a problem with this, but I want to make sure in that moment that he handles it tenderly Yeah, for Matt's sake. I just want to say, I mean, because we saw in my case mm-hmm. in the town, like the total opposite. We don't do that here. Yes. We don't have that here. So his mom being that accepting in that time, because like yes. I said, we've come a long way, but. She's amazing. Yeah, I love her. And I, I just love how she like made sure that everyone was handled with care. Yes. With this situation. Yes. We love good mamas. Oh, we do. That is like the ultimate mom move though. Like mm-hmm. you will handle this. That's right. Very delicately. That is mm-hmm. my That's baby. my baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Dennis was like kind of described as being, you know, he's a guy's guy. He's like a cowboy. He had cowboy boots for crying out loud, you know, not to stereotype or say that he wouldn't accept his son because he absolutely did. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, Sometimes there is a disconnect, and as a owner of a husband, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't think I own him, but you know what I'm saying. As someone who's raising a husband, I can tell you that sometimes there's a disconnect between their mouth and their brain, Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. just say stupid stuff where you're like, hold on. Yeah, she was probably afraid of that. Think about this first, and then get back with me. I've literally said that to my husband before. Like, you Don't talk yet. You didn't realize how that sounded, so I'd like you to process and rephrase oh. if you could. You're please. doing a good job raising him, though. He's he's growing up so fast. <laughs> he really is. He's turning into quite a nice young man. He, yes, well, he not is. so you young. Be, you should be proud. 
<laughs> but I just wanted to include that. I loved that story. And like I said, Dennis was loving and accepting. And really, his parents being so accepting helped Matt be so open. Sure. And that, this, I, I would imagine so. And this helped him with his depression. Now, Matt and his family were religious. They were a, a, uh, Episcopalian. And actually, growing up, he was even an altar boy. So he did have some struggles with what Christianity says about homosexuality. Sure, sure. And the like afterlife. how he felt, mm-hmm. who he was, and then his religious beliefs. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so in Laramie, he actually ended up going to a local church and trying to discuss what the Bible has to say about, you know, the situation and just looking for some some affirmation, looking for some guidance and some help. And basically he was told that he's a sinner and going to burn in hell. Oh no. So this created more of a conflict. Yep. It did not help. And so he decided to take this, this, I mean, it really upset him. He took that energy and he created a way to help students at the university, especially that of the LGBTQ who were struggling. And so he created this little, this group. Oh my gosh, look at him, social worker at heart. Right? Oh, I think he would have made an amazing social worker. I love that he did that. And at the time of his murder, he was openly gay, as I said. He'd go to gay bars. He had the same social life that all 21-year-old people have, okay? And this is where haters really want to throw some shade at the whole story, whereas I told you Jimenez in his book said that was Matt, that Matt was getting into meth during his depression and was selling himself for drugs, which is also what could have um, perpetuated the rape in Morocco. Like, he was even questioning. Now, the, are those things factual? Like, he was he doing those things? To be honest, I don't know. I didn't. The only book that I found that in was Jimenez's book. And I didn't go like super farther into it because to me, it doesn't matter. Even if he was into meth, even if he was selling himself for drugs, does that mean that he should be brutally murdered and oh, have God, no. slurs thrown at him? Even the dogs disagree. They do. With this. <laughs> even, and, and have slurs thrown at him during his murder and after? Absolutely not. So for me, I was kind of like, who effing cares? At the end of the day, he was murdered. Mm-hmm. So I don't give a fook. That's where zero, I'm at. Zero fooks. Zero fooks given as far as I'm concerned. No matter what the reason, right? Murder is wrong. Yeah. So. Absolutely. No one deserves that despite any type of struggle with substances, right. despite anything. And could, saw- he, could he have turned to substances during his depression? Absolutely. Ha- yes. And ha- I mean... He he was traumatized. So yeah. was the allegation that he started doing these things after that sexual assault happened or was it like during and they... Supposedly there was even, um, there's theory, he wasn't just jumped by six men in Morocco. He was selling himself for, like it started oh, even then. I okay. But I don't know. I mean, but at the end of the day, I just want to ask all of our listeners, does it matter? He was murdered. Mm-hmm. Well, this is That's what they... That's not okay. We saw this with the... Judy Malinowski case too, where the attorneys tried to yep. paint a really negative picture of her. Yep, like she deserved, like and, she and deserved to be set on fire. I was gonna say I don't think they were trying to say she deserved it necessarily, but try to paint this really tainted picture of her um, to lessen what he did. Yeah, and it's that's not okay. And it also, those two things don't go together. Mm-hmm. Okay, her being an addict, Judy, as we were you were mentioning, her being an addict does not give the dickweed yes the right to abuse her and set her on fire and murder her exactly and the same thing here even if he Whatever was doing the, those things yes. you know i don't know but 
It does, it does not. not mean that he should. And when we get to, I will trigger trigger alert you because the way he is murdered is so brutal and so horrific in what he goes through that no, one does not equal justification for the other. No, it doesn't. So I feel like this dry heave is like the human form. <laughs> I just love your names heat. for people. They just come to you so naturally. Know, it's raw still, material. It is. But trying to dig up and suggest that he had, Matt had an unsavory past does not justify his death or take away from the manner in which he was murdered. Okay, whatever. But because on this podcast, we always give both sides of the argument and any contradictions that we find because I wasn't there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And even if the truth lies somewhere in the middle, or even if one is completely a lie, it it doesn't matter. This this young man lost his life in a brutal and tragic way. I will say this, though. His mom did say that he always wanted to be a diplomat, and he really wanted to be famous. Which, after what happens and what you see happens in the world, it is really, really crazy how it plays out that that is exactly what happens for him, just not in the way that he or his family would ever have wanted. Mm-hmm. He left a legacy. He did. But probably not how they were thinking it yep. would happen. And I mean, my gosh. Yep. So I'm going to take you to the morning of Thursday, October 8th, 1998. And we're going to be in the home of Judy and Dennis Shepard, which at this time, they're still in Saudi Arabia. Okay. So his job is still there. They're there. But Matthews is in Wyoming going to college. Gotcha. Okay. So the phone rings about 5 a.m. And Judy's jolted awake. Now, due to the time difference between the States and Saudi Arabia, she wasn't really concerned because Matt usually called her at all hours of the night to chat Mm -hmm. the morning and the night. Dennis, too, like, oh, yep, probably just Matt waking me up because whether he just didn't want to do the math of the time change or just didn't care because he had something. Because it's mom and dad. Exactly. mm -hmm. And he often had just things that if he had just met somebody that was really exciting, he would call and tell his parents about if he read something you know there was something on the news that he's like can you believe this he would call I mean that's that's how connected they were this time unfortunately it was not Matt that was calling but it was about Matt it was an emergency room doctor from Ivinson Memorial Hospital in Laramie telling her that Matt had been in an accident and that his injuries were so critical that it was very unlikely that he would recover now in um, a documentary Matt Shepard was a friend of mine. I watched that as well. Great, great show. Movie. It, uh, some people call it a movie. I felt it was more documentary. Mm-hmm. It actually said that at first the parents were told, Judy and Dennis were told that he was in an accident. But in her book, Judy is actually like, they all they could tell me that was that Matt was attacked and had injuries that were so critical, he was very unlikely to recover. Now, you know, memory is a funny thing, and especially when you have trauma mixed in with it. So either way, they did not know what happened. They just knew he would that they were needed immediately and that Matt was critical. Oh my gosh. So they didn't know the extent of what had happened. No, not at this point in time. They are eight thousand miles away. Oh and not only heart. that I know. Not only that, they have to travel. They have to get their travel documents prepared. They have to arrange to be able to fly out and the next flight was not leaving for nineteen hours. From Amsterdam to Minneapolis and then to Denver before they could make it to Laramie. Oh, my gosh. I'm just going to give you a heads up. You've you've painted such a picture of, like, a wonderful soul and this bond between them. I'm already, like, super emotional over here. You will cry on this one. I I I will cry. I mean, I cried when I heard the story. And I didn't hear it in this much detail. So I'm, like, 
already prepping for a fetal position. And everyone else should as well, especially if you're a sympathetic uh, crier and you hear us cry, it's yeah. going to happen. I might need to be swaddled. Oh, I've got the blanket ready. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What they do, though, is they did call relatives to go to the hospital so that Matt wasn't alone in the time oh, good. that it took them to be able to get good. there. But they had no further information other than he was in critical condition and not likely to survive. So they had no answers of the who, the why, the how. The All they're left is while traveling, they were able to stay in connection with the hospital, but there was so much just waiting time. I can't imagine what kind of mental space they were in in that moment. Not being there for your son, knowing he's critical. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yep. having no yep. other answers. Yep. Here we go. So, I can't I can't handle this. I know. <laughs> and now is where I'm going to give you guys a trigger uh, warning because there's some pretty gruesome things from this point out. Um, I had told you that that phone call came on October 8th at 5 a.m. Now, the reason for that phone call was that on October 7th, 1998, a 19-year-old college student named Aaron Kreifels was just riding his mountain bike on Pilot Peak and Snowy View Roads in Laramie, Wyoming. The ro- That's their current name. Just so you know, after Matt's death, the actual name of the roads were changed. Really? Yes. So that's what they are now, Pilot Peak and Snowy View Roads. Aaron had actually had an unfortunate incident where he hit something with his bike oh. and flew like oh, to the oh. ground. Poor yes. Aaron. <laughs> yep. And so while he's kind of dusting himself off and picking himself up, he notices that there was something kind of laying against a fence. Now, let me explain this fence to you. It's called a buck fence. We've seen them several times before in like old Westerns, but they're fences where the posts actually make an X. Okay. So between the actual fencing, the posts themselves are not standing just straight vertically. Yep. Okay. They're, They're an X shape. So up against one of those posts, those X shapes, he sees what he thinks is a scarecrow. Oh, no. You know, it's Wyoming. It's October. So why wouldn't there be a scarecrow just kind of slumped, right, on this fence post? He's, like, kind of looking at this and then realizing, Jesus, that is, that's a A real They went to town on that scarecrow. Like, that is a scary-looking scarecrow. Oh, my God. And so that's what that drew his attention to really, instead of just brush it off like, oh, Scarecrow, it was, wait, that's a lot of detail. Like, what is going on? And then he's slowly realizing that's real blood. Oh, my gosh. That's a real Can you person. imagine in that moment, like, he could have the, chosen to be like, oh, that's crazy, Scarecrow. Yes. Hi. And you then know. got back on his mountain bike and left. But also, I put myself in his position of, can you imagine the transition in your body when you realize that scarecrow is breathing because it was labored breathing and ever so slight, but he could see that it was moving, like the breathing slightly. I would have so, soiled my linens. And he, there was so much blood, so much blood mm. that he, I mean, I just can't imagine what that was like for him to suddenly realize, oh, holy shit, that's a person that is not a scarecrow. And so um, he immediately calls 911. Now, in the documentary, Matt Shepard is a friend of mine, which was directed by Michelle uh, Jose, a friend of Matt's. Oh, wow. Yeah. Officer Reggie Flutie was the first person on the scene. Oh, Officer Flutie, just so everyone knows. She's amazing. She actually could not drive her patrol car all the way up to the fence. So in the documentary, she talks about how she got as far as she could in her patrol car, but then had to run 
to the actual like fence posting to get to him. Remember I said Matt was a really petite yes. man. Yes. She thought, and the whole time she's working on him, she thinks that this is about a 12-year-old boy. Oh, my gosh. So she's handling him even more tenderly because she thinks she has an underage child on her hands that has been so severely abused. I didn't realize that he was that small. Yeah, he is uh, 5'3", about 110 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Really small. One inch taller than me Mm -hmm. and about 10 pounds heavier. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... Like, look, you're like looking at him, essentially. Yeah, wow. What she describes, so Matt was on his back with his hands tied behind his back as well and tied to the fence. So his hands are bound behind his back, but they're also bound to the fence and he is slumped down on his back, okay, when she finds him. Officer Flutie recalled that there was so much blood everywhere that it was clear he had been severely beaten. She could not make out facial features because of the amount of swelling, blood, and dirt on his face. And trigger alert for a heart-wrenching detail. The only thing that she could make out on his face, and the only place where there wasn't blood, was where there was a trail of tears streaming down his cheeks. Oh my gosh. Uh, She said that he had actually looked really, really deformed, except for the trail of tears. My heart's breaking. I know. She also talked about in the documentary about how she saw a doe, a doe deer lying near him. And after she started working on him, because she needed to clear his airways of blood, he was like gurgling on his own blood. And so she's clearing his airways and she remembered seeing the doe cautiously get up like, okay, you've, he's not alone anymore oh and my. you've got it from here. Oh, like the doe was watching over him yes. or looking. Yep. Oh my yep. god! And she said that she really hopes that he knew that that doe was there. Like why else is that doe just laying by him and didn't jump up in fear when the mountain biker came? Didn't it just like, like help had it arrived. Stayed. And it-, it stayed until help had arrived and she was working on him. She cleared his airways of all the blood, but the gloves that she was using actually um, were faulty and they ripped during this process. She knew that she had open cuts on her hands from building a structure the day before because, you know, she's a woman in Wyoming, so they always have multiple jobs. That's Uh for sure. (laughs) And uh, she didn't let any of that stop her. Like, I do think some people would have just been like, oh, nope, um, Mm -hmm. I can't. She she went on. She continued on. She was trying to save him. Yes. Yep. To save his life. And I hope, I mean, I hope all EMTs would be like that, but you know, there's bloodborne pathogen trainings you go through. Oh, I've I, had many of them. Oh yes, me too. I just, I really found that piece intriguing that mm-hmm. she was like, I no, I didn't care. We needed to save this child. And at this point in time, she still thinks she he's a 12 a year old child. Matt was found with his university of Wyoming ID card on him. And the emergency contact was his godparents who lived in Wyoming. So they got a hold of his godparents who then gave the hospital his parents' number. So that's how Judy and Dennis end up getting that phone call on the 8th of October when he was found on the 7th is because there were, you know, some some time lapse of getting the right contact yeah, information yeah. figured out, okay? Police began to investigate and find out what had really happened here. So on October 6th, 
Matt met with his LGBTQ group at the university where they were planning a celebration for the upcoming Gay Awareness Week. There were lots of events planned, and on the way home, he decided that he was going to stop at the Fireside Bar for a drink. He'd been there before. He invited some of his um, peers to come with him. They declined. So this is between 8 and 9 p.m. where he um, decided to go to the Fireside Bar. Okay. And the bartender that was interviewed said, yep, I'd seen Matt in there before. He's just, he's always very friendly. He usually has one to two drinks and then he's on his way. Mm-hmm. Not a troublemaker at all. Nothing suspicious. About 10 p.m. in walks in 21-year-old Russell Henderson and 21-year-old Aaron McKinney. Now, these two scumbags were roofers, although they must not have been very good at it because they were out of work more than they were in work. And they even bought a pitcher of beer in change. Dimes, mm. nickels. Scraping. Completely annoying the bartender, by the way. Sure. Scraping the change up to get some beer, mm-hmm. huh? Yep. Okay. The police knew Aaron McKinney as being a troublemaker. Just an overall dick face. And Russell Henderson is a basic, he's a troublemaker too. He'd been in, and he'd have an, he, Russell Henderson had had a lot of traffic violations, DUIs, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he was described as more of a follower. McKinney recently actually was still up on charges for robbing uh, the local KFC of $2,500. Oh my gosh. Yep. He had already done some time. He, of course, had a juvenile record and he was actually even. A new father. Someone procreated with him. Wow. So cool, cool. I'm sorry for that person. Yes. Yeah. Well, she's and a shit stain too. Oh. Well, she comes okay. into play as well. So we don't Noted. feel sorry for her. Okay. Noted. Um, he was said to be openly homophobic and racist. So the town knew that about him. There are some sources, and I'm only including it because this is what we do, claim McKinney and Matt knew each other and had sexual contact prior to this. Um, But listen, even if him and McKinney did have a sexual relationship prior to him killing him, he killed him. Right, exactly. So why we're pulling at these threads, why people think it matters, I have no idea. You know how people project hate for the very thing that they hate about themselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So McKinney, being openly homophobic, perhaps it's because he didn't like that part about himself because society had taught him at this time that it wasn't acceptable. That could very well be. So, I mean, we've seen that happen before. Hell, if that's the case, perhaps this crime was motivated by, I don't want Matt to tell anybody that we've had a relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to pull it threads, let's flip it to the other side. Mm -hmm. Either way, he murdered him. The other colostomy bag, Russell Henderson. He had dropped out of high school, was a loner, and had a criminal history, too, like I had said. Um, He wasn't always bad, though. The people at Laramie were like, I'm really surprised that he did this because, like, in middle school, he was an honor student. So it sounded like he really had a chance in life, but then really got wrapped up with the wrong people, like Aaron McKinney. And just turned into... A colostomy. Yeah, mm-hmm. a colostomy bag that needs changed. Yeah. A full one. Right. So Russell and Aaron see Matt. They knew he was gay, knew he had money. So they go to the bathroom and they devise a plan to pretend that they're gay so that they can rob him. Oh, no. Now, this is after their arrest, what they tell the police. That's their plan. Okay. 
The bartender remembered them all talking and leaving together and thinking that it was really weird because when they had originally ordered their pitcher of beer, they were standing next to Matt and never even acknowledged him. But now they're like talking and leaving together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What happens next is that they get into McKinley's truck, which actually was his dad's because, you know, this shit stain doesn't own anything. But Russell was driving. So I'm kind of like, cool. Russell's the one with all the DUIs, but it's a good idea to have him drive. Yeah, let's have him drive. Reportedly, when they got into the truck, Aaron McKinley says, we're not gay and you're getting jacked. Oh, no. And started physically assaulting Matt. Now, Matt just handed them his wallet. Like, here you go. Mm -hmm. You know, take it. Stop hitting me. But... Instead, Aaron McKinley continued to repeatedly assault him with the butt of a three fifty seven Magnum revolver over and over. As he's being beaten, uh, Russell Henderson is continuing, continuing to drive, and they drive him out. They pull him out to a remote location and drag him out of the truck. Now, this is where the fence comes in, which, by the way, the fence is no longer there. It's been taken Good. down. Good. Um, there was a lot of evidence at the scene that Matt struggled and tried to fight off his attackers. There was evidence that he was drugged, that he tried to get away, and then was drugged some more, all the while being physically beaten with the butt of this gun because there is blood splatter upwards of of a 50-yard radius around where he was actually found against the fence. So it's not like they just took him, tied him to the fence, and then beat him, which they did beat him more significantly after they tied him to the fence. But he fought like hell. And so it was just in that that 50-yard radius the whole time trying to get away and before he was eventually overpowered. McKinley made Russell Henderson go get rope from the truck and and to tie be the one to tie him to the fence. And that's where they tied his hands behind his back and then tied him to the fence. Now, according to both Aaron McKinley and Russell Henderson, Henderson never hit Matt. But... According to both of them, he was, like, giggling and laughing when Aaron was abusing him. Yeah, because it's so funny. Yep, sure is. That makes you just as as disgusting. Yep, uh, yep. I mean, you're just as much a part of this. Not doing anything about it, and you think it's funny. Yep, yep. So they take his, they, they took his wallet and his shoes, but still just continued to beat him. Matt was found to have 18 hits to his head and face with the gun. He had four skull fractures. Oh, my gosh. Now, the blow that was eventually the one that made them murderers instead of just physically assaulting someone was behind his right ear. Um, It caused Matt's skull to cave in so severely that it crushed his brainstem, which is actually why he was still technically alive because it didn't sever it. It just crushed it. This same blow also nearly tore his ear completely off. That's how hard he was being hit with that gun. This hurts me so bad. Yes. So not only were there injuries to his face and head, but I found several articles that talked about his genitalia also being targeted for physical blows. Oh. So, yeah, tell me again how this isn't about him being gay. You're yeah. targeting you, his beautiful face You know it head. was, it was mm-hmm. personal yep. and definitely, definitely, especially if you have one that's homophobic and... Yep. The genitals are targeted, absolutely. Gosh, this just makes me so angry. One of these colostomy bags, I can't remember which one it is now, tried to claim that later as a defense that the whole reason why he started attacking him is because 
Matt put a hand on his knee and he wasn't gay, so he had a homophobic panic. No, I'm going to say that never even happened. Nice try. No, you then, but you told them I lured them him to my truck by telling him that I was gay. I was actually so, reading a, just a little side note. I was actually reading as we're doing these cases about how that they try to use that uh-huh. in court cases and several times. I believe it's been like you can't do it yes. anymore. But nope. that's a, it was a thing. Like oh, they had this the reaction yes, to a homophobic panic. Uh huh. And so disgusting. It is. Yeah. Like, Not a real fucking thing. Knock it off. And and if it is like. Get over it. Get some help. I was get, just going to say, go get some help for Try it. to figure out why this is affecting you so much, what someone else is doing with their life. Exactly. I'll never understand why we care so what much. people do in their bedroom. If you see me with my husband, you don't ask me intimate details no. about our sex life. And I don't ask you if you have a penis. or That's if you, true. Like, why? I mean, it doesn't. It wouldn't change who you are no. to me. And it, I guess I just feel like if you, if it bothers you that much, what religious beliefs aside, whatever you believe, if it's making you that hateful mm-hmm. and that disturbed in your own life, please go get help. Dig into that and figure That's out why, right. because no one else's life should be affecting you that much. Exactly. Exactly. So Matt was left throughout the night in the freezing cold Wyoming night, because it's October in the oh desert, essentially. Okay. After, directly after leaving Matt for dead, McKinney and Henderson go back into town and literally, because they were apparently on some sort of freaking crazed streak, they get into a fight with two Mexican-American men. This was, they attacked 19-year-old Emiliano uh, Morales and 18-year-old Jeremy Herrera. My gosh, what was in that pitcher of beer they scraped up money for? Seriously. And they they had, I mean, I know you said they had some... History, but this wasn't like them typically, right? To just go on these. To physically assault people yeah. like this? There's like, speculation that they were high on meth at okay. the same time that, you know, and they mixed it with alcohol. Yeah. Okay, maybe. So gotcha. I, I could see that. But the fight resulted in head wounds for both Emiliano Morales and um, Aaron McKinney. Morales ended up being hit with the same revolver that Matt was beaten with. And he ended up getting 19 stitches. McKinney, Aaron McKinney, got a hairline fracture in the skull because Morales had actually hit him, fended him off with a large stick that caused that hairline fracture. So Aaron McKinney went to the hospital for treatment. The police, they they showed up, the police showed up on the scene at this fight, uh-huh. okay? They're taking notice of the amount of blood, blood that Aaron McKinney had on him. And he was just like, oh, yeah, my head always bleeds. You know, this is all my blood. My head always bleeds like this. Well, they did end up searching his his uh, vehicle, but I found compl- conflicting information. Some says they searched the his vehicle and found um, Matt's shoes and debit card that night. And then I also found information that it was found later after they were able to kind of interview the bartender and figure out who Matt had left with that night. So I am not sure the time frame, but at some point in time, and it's not soon, it's not real far after Matt was discovered that 
um, those items are discovered. Okay. So it's kind of all simultaneously happening, but something, some sources say like, oh yeah, they were caught that night because they were in a fight with these two men. Mm -hmm. They were not arrested that night. So Aaron McKinney is in the hospital being interviewed by police, all of this stuff. And disgustingly, he ended up at some point in time or another only being four doors down from where Matthew was laying in a coma. Oh, my gosh. For a, for a brief period of time between when he was released. Because he had a hairline fracture, so they observed him for a while. So it wasn't just like a go get stitches and get out sort of thing. He was in there for just a little bit and was only four doors down. Matt was found 18 hours after he was left for dead. Oh, so he was there so long. He was. Mm-hmm. In that condition. I can't imagine being bound in that way and sitting Mm-mm. there for 18, 18 hours. hours. I know. Struggling to breathe. I mean, your own blood is in your lungs. Mm-hmm. And yep. One report said that Officer Flint Waters arrived at the scene of the fight and arrested Henderson, searched McKinley's truck, and found a blood smeared gun along with, with Matt Shepard's shoes and credit card. However, I believe that this was after. I mean, maybe they gathered some evidence and then, you know, do some interviews and figure out, like I had said earlier, there's just a little, like, I'm unsure of the exact order of those events. But what happens is after that fight, originally Henderson returned, I mean, because Aaron goes to the hospital. Russell Henderson goes back to his place where that he shares with his girlfriend, is joined a little while later by Aaron McKinley, or McKinney, Excuse me. And the girlfriends testify that one of them, and I believe that it was McKinney, came in and said, and I am sorry for the slur that I have to use. I don't, I do not use this word, but I have, I want you to know it's important for Matt's story and for the critics of the story. It's important so you know what, what dirty colostomy bags these two really are. But they told the girlfriends and the girlfriends testified to this, that they came in and said, we killed a fag tonight. Oh, my gosh. So, again, tell me this isn't a hate crime. It, there's no because remorse. Because if this was a robbery gone wrong, then why are you using that? Why is, yeah, exa- why is that a part of why, it? Exactly. So, And also, I don't care if the robbery was maybe the motive at first. What they did to him was truly driven by hate. Hatred. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, agree. I don't even, I mean, if, if you were looking for whatever money he had, yep. they, they didn't have to do the rest. He was a small person, and I feel, yep. I feel like they... Who willingly handed over his wallet. Yes. So come on. So if you were, if it was about money, then the, none of that was necessary. No. It was hate-driven. Yep. And they're disgusting. Well, and after they're arrested, I'll tell you that they talked about how... The tr- their truck was backed up, and they realized that um, Matt could see their license plate number. So while they were beating him, uh, Aaron McKinley McKinney says, read my license plate number. Now Matt, just trying to be compliant, read it. But that, because he had read it, that told Aaron that he could remember them and identify them. So that is when he uh, put the blow behind his ear that crushed his brainstem. Oh my god! That's when he hit him. Wow. Harder. Also, they reported during the beating that they made him recite his address because they were going to go to his home and rob him because he only had twenty dollars on his on mm-hmm. his person, 
and they believed that he had more money. So now, according to Jimenez, they knew he had meth there, so they were on their way back into town to go rob him of the drugs, okay? And that's when they were they ended up getting into that fight with the two Mexican-American men. Either way, it doesn't matter. They beat this man, left him for dead, and then either were intentional. I mean, the other thing is we're also trying to claim that McKinley had, or McKinney had a, um, I don't know why I keep calling him McKinley, mostly because I don't give a shit what his name <laughs> is if, or if I'm pronouncing it wrong. But McKinney, um, you know, supposedly had this relationship with Matt before. Then why did he tell the police that during, while beating him, they made him recite his address so that they could go to his home right. and rob him? Right. Because if they had a relationship, he would have known where Matt was already living. So whatever, I don't, those are nuances that I really don't give a shit about because at the end of the day, you're still a fucking murderer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if they hadn't given him that final blow that he could have possibly survived yes. this. Yes. Wow. But because he tricked him into reading his license plate number, which Matt just, I'm sure did was it. just like, I will do whatever they ask me to do. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I've handed everything over to them. I can, I just want to make this stop. But it was just a trick of, yep, he can remember it. So better hit there him it again. goes. Yep, exactly. Oh my gosh. It's disgusting. Even more disgusting is the fact that when they showed up at the girlfriend's houses, told them that they killed like a in man. A, I mean, in the saying it in that way, it's like they're they're bragging about it. Yep. Absolutely. So And instead of being a normal human being and being like, Wow, maybe you're not my type. Peace out, bro. These two, go ahead and help him come up, them come up with an alibi. I'm like, yeah, we'll go ahead and tell police that we were watching movies with you all night. Oh my gosh. They're like, oh, you, you killed, you killed a, a gay man? Oh, well, we'll help you yep. come up with a, an alibi for that. Mm -hmm. we, we've got your back. What? And there is no history anywhere, anything that you can find that says that Aaron or that Russell were abusive to their girlfriends and that they complied out of fear. They complied. So they were just protecting their men. They were. They complied out of the fact that they didn't give a shit about Matt and about what they had just done to someone, and they were just going to help them try to stay out of prison. So Wow. Gross. Gross is a good way to describe it. Um, I just can't. The things people do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for their partners. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and to make matters worse, the girls helped them get rid of the blood-stained clothing. I can't. How is that your natural reaction? Oh, my gosh. We have to help them cover right. this up. Like, yep. how is that the first thing you think? I don't know. But for Chastity, Chastity Paisley and Kristen Price, that's where they went with it. They're just like, oh, yep, okay, we're going right, to do let's... this. Now, later... Kristen Price tells 2020 that the reason they hurt Matt was to teach him a lesson to not come on to straight people. Oh. And she said it like it's up. okay. To teach him a lesson? You're, you murdered him, so he's never going to get an opportunity to come on to a straight person. What? No. That That'll is, teach him a lesson. Right, and come she said it. On. Yep. She said it like it was okay. Like, it's justification. If I was that 2020 reporter, I would have been like, leave We're now. done now. Yeah. You hemorrhoid. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yep. I need some cream for mm -hmm. the hemorrhoid that you are right now. Exactly. Exactly. 
There's not enough cream in the world to take care of that. And and just so you guys know, their their whole defense, as we had said earlier in court, was homophobic panic. I can oh. I can tie a man, beat him to death out of a panic? No. Exactly. I mean, even if it's something that you don't understand and you don't agree with, to create that much of a hatred, rage, mm-hmm. fear, whatever it is. Like, come on, do some digging into your own self. Right. Now And I get um, it, not everybody has the capacity to do that. I get it. But it sucks. It, it sucks. The next the next day, this would have been October seventh. Aaron McKinley was was arrested as expected. At first he did not confess, but then he they let him sleep for a while. Like I guess you know, the hairline fracture, I don't know. Mm. And then he confessed to beating Matt. He talked about how Matt screamed, was begging for him to stop. Wow, so he didn't even put up a fight. He was just Mm-mm. like, yes, we did this. No, he kept saying that he just lost it, that he blacked out. He saw red. He couldn't help it. He couldn't stop. Blah, 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 blah. All the things that defense attorneys tell you to say. Oh, you have no idea. You just panicked. He was just because so he touched your leg. afraid that. Yes, that What? What are you afraid of? I don't even believe that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if if I believe that Matthew did touch his leg. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. I don't think he did. No. I don't believe it, though. Nope. I don't. I don't believe it at all. And there's, no, they had this planned out. We're going to rob him. And then they just completely let their hatred, like, you know what? Just take a hold of them. Mm -hmm. And continued. He got, he beat him, you know, the first, from the first blow to him. You know, he liked it. And be yep, being what a, a small person he was and, you know, they had a weapon. I think they could have easily gotten his wallet and even I think Matthew probably would have given up his address and that you know, they Absolutely. could have robbed him blind. But Absolutely. No. So, so to carry it this far, yeah, that was hatred. Deep hatred. It's disgusting mm-hmm. what they did to him. All right. So I, I want to point this out. After learning the details and they're piecing this investigation together, the family knew that the police in Laramie would take the robbery angle and try to deny that it was a hate crime. So they made damn sure that this did not happen. And also because of the $20, they're like, no, you're not going to just brush this off um, because of whatever dealings he may have had uh, with drugs or because of the fact that he's a wealthy comes from more wealthy means than the two shitbag roofers you know no we're not make this isn't about a robbery this was a hundred percent a hate crime and so the family made sure when media outlets called they sp- they gave this narrative of this was a hate crime he was killed because he was gay and they're even in their defense of trying to say homophobic panic okay that still makes this a hate crime. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So it took Matt's parents 50 hours total to get home to him, and he was unrecognizable when they went into the hospital room. Uh, Judy actually talked about how she finally was able to recognize him because of his braces, because Matt was still so young in life that he was wearing braces, oh for crying gosh. out loud. But his face was so stitched up and swollen, she couldn't. she didn't recognize a single feature. Until she saw his braces. That is so heartbreaking. He was only 21, right? Yes. So he was still so young. Yes. Only his basic functions were working with the help of machines at this point. After six days, 
The family could see that he was not progressing at all. They believed that he was hanging on for them. Judy pulled Walt, the counselor that I told you about earlier, that he had first come out to, pulled him out of the ICU and said, you need to tell Matt that it's okay to let go. She knew her and Dennis couldn't physically say that to Matt as his parents, but they knew he was holding on for the sake of them and he was suffering because of it. And so she asked Walt to take it upon himself to give him permission to let go. You're killing me right oh, now. Oh, I know. It's bad. And so Walt talked about um, how that was an honor for that to be given to him and placed in his hands. And, of course, he he went and did it. And he had a long talk with Matt about how how it was it was okay. We know that you're tired. We know that you're I suffering. I was doing good. You were. But until, now you right got now. me. And so... He had also told Matt, don't leave this decision to your parents because how can a parent decide to pull the plug on their child? So it's okay. Everyone's okay and everyone understands what you've been through and that you're suffering. So it's okay to let go if you want. It was only hours later after that conversation that Matt died on October 12th at 12.53 a.m., at the um, Podre Valley Hospital in Fort Collins, Colorado, with his family by his side. His brother, Logan, was holding one of his hands, and his mother was holding the other. I cannot um, contain myself right now. And now we're done, so see you all later. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for go. literally just pile-driving me <laughs> I really at did. the end. I really did. Oh, my I know. gosh. Seriously, though, what a peaceful and beautiful way for yep. him to his dad, go. His dad was there too. But Judy says, you know, you can't tell me that he wasn't hanging on for us because it was only hours after that conversation. And she knew. She, moms know. Yes. Parents know. They I shouldn't do. just say moms. And she, I think I think she knew that yeah. he was holding on. and Yep. And the, oh. that he needed permission, that it was okay. So he did. So he let go. And you will be happy to know that the amount of people that came to his funeral was insane. There was a huge snowstorm that same day, and it did not deter people. People that didn't even know him Aww. came. And now I need to prepare you guys for an emotional turning point of rage. Oh, okay. okay. Boy, um, what a roller coaster. Yes. We were just in a very sad place. Now we're going to be in a real ragey place. As I briefly tell you about the Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, the, gosh. I think I know. Yeah. I think I know this part, but. Proceed. At this time, they weren't really well known as they are now, but even to be called a church at this time was disgusting, which just so you know, they have since been denounced. Oh, they are not God. recognized as a church, as a religion. They are nothing more than a bunch of a cult, cult. A yeah. cult extremists that we have no fucking time for. So they protested Matt's funeral because, you know, it's your constitutional right. And they were bearing signs that stated, and I'm sorry for the slurs again, so forgive me, but this, the signs stated, God hates fags and Matt in hell with a picture of Matt. At his funeral. At his funeral. His family had to see that. Oh my gosh. What is wrong with these people? Even worse, one sign, there, and there's a picture of it that you can find if you want, that was being held by a child that read, fag equals anal sex equals death what the actual oh. fuck does that even mean 
I don't know about you, Amber, but I know plenty of people who have survived anal sex. <laughs> so it does not, in fact, equal death. Thank you. Oh my gosh! And a child's holding this. We are yep. we are educating yep. our children with this. Wow. Yes. Isn't oh my that gosh. probably I, the most disgusting thing that's ever come out of my mouth? When you picture that whole scenario of a child, I don't even that. get the reasoning. Me neither. Who, like, well, it's like that child. Did <laughs> they make their own sign? Did, yeah, maybe. Maybe the child was Which like, is, "I want to join in." Yeah. Um, I and think all, Dad said anal sex is. Wrong. And used the F word. They yeah. used this F word. So anal make sex means death. Yes. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. I can't handle All this. I can think of is this is a group of people that have nothing but very supine, missionary, boring oh, ask. Absolutely. Sex. Like rigid. In the dark only, clothes still mostly on. <laughs> And not in like that hot, quick way, like a no, we shouldn't touch. Yes, way. Our our weekly obligation is complete. Correct. Yeah, you may pull your pants back up, (laughs) (laughs) pull your dress down. Yes, I can't. Oh my gosh! Right? I watched a documentary on these people before, and they're just. It it is so horrible what they do. No, they're a group of. Postulated mutants. It, cult is what it is. We would. That is that's a hundred percent what it what it is. Also, tell me this is an instance where I hope reincarnation is actually real, and they come back as like a a dildo. <laughs> Funny that you should go there because what I was thinking was an anal probe that's used like specifically for infected secreting anuses like here's our special anal probe but it's only for the worst of the worst that we got to get up in there yes or just like a a butt plug yes like that's used for pleasure (laughs) only anally (laughs) please tell me that karma and reincarnation come together and make this beautiful thing happen let's hope so <sighs> yep. Or let's send some to the uh, Westboro, Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> or is it ba- Baptist? Did I say it? It is, but Baptist? they are okay. not But they're recognized. not a church anymore. Yeah. Well, they're not. They still call themselves that. They are not recognized by the Baptist religion whatsoever. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is not the, I know my, no. many very wonderful, sweet yes. Baptist people. That's right. That is not how That's they. That's not. Think so, and just so you know, what Wikipedia says, Westboro Baptist Church is an American hyper uh, Calvinist hate group. They're known for engaging in inflammatory, homophobic, and anti-American pickets, as well as hate speech against atheists, Jews, Muslims, transgender people, and numerous Christian den- denominations. I think hate group would be the yep. perfect way to describe them. Yep. So they were um, they were denounced by as a Baptist denomination by Baptist World Alliance and Southern Baptist Convention and other mainstream Christian denominations. So we don't even recognize them. At the time of the initial arrest, McKinney and Henderson were initially charged with attempted murder, kidnapping, and aggravated robbery. Obviously, after Matt's death, death, the charges were upgraded from attempted murder to first-degree murder. So now they were eligible for the death penalty. Their girlfriends, Kristen Price and Chastity Paisley, were charged with being accessories after the fact. I was hoping you were going to tell me that. Yep. And they did actually end up plead guilty to that. So the girls ended up um, making a deal because they testified against them. Okay. Yeah, to everything. So, um, Well, at least in the end, they were like, 
okay, we'll do it, even if it was for selfish reasons. Um, yeah, and really what ends up happening is Price, uh, Kristen Price pled guilty to a reduced charge of misdemeanor interference with a police officer. So they, you know, they pled down their stuff, but in, in exchange they got testimony against both of these idiots. So on April 5th, 1999, uh, Russell Henderson avoided going to trial when he, he pled guilty to murder and kidnapping charges in order to avoid the death penalty. I was going to ask about the death penalty if and it was. It, yes, it was put on the table for okay. both of them. And Henderson agreed to testify against McKinney and was sentenced by District Judge Jeffrey A. Donnell to two consecutive life terms. At Russell Henderson's sentencing, his lawyer argue, argued that Matt Shepard had not been targeted because he was gay. It didn't get anywhere. McKin- McKinney's trial took place in October and November 1999, and they did try to throw out the, try to say the argument, put forth the argument of gay panic defense, which made, was uh, driven McKinney into temporary insanity by alleged sexual advances. This defense was rejected by the judge. He was the jury. It went to a jury trial. The jury found McKinney not guilty of premeditated murder, but guilty of felony murder and began to deliberate on the death penalty. Matt Shepard's parents brokered a deal that resulted in McKinney receiving two consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole. McKinney and Henderson were incarcerated at the Wyoming State Penitentiary in Rawlings, and they were later transferred to other prisons because of overcrowding. In the following years since Matt Shepard's death, Judy Shepard has worked as an advocate for LGBT rights, particularly issues relating to gay youth. She was the main force behind the Matthew Shepard Foundation, which she and her husband, Dennis, founded in December 1998. And I the, the I love me some Judy. I know. I wanted to read you the mission statement of the Matthew Shepard Foundation. It's to amplify the story of Matthew Shepard to inspire individuals, organizations, and communities to embrace the dignity and equality of all people. Our work is an extension of Matt's passion to foster a more caring and just world. We share his story and embody his vigor for civil rights to change the hearts and minds of others to accept everyone as they are. I love that. Isn't that a beautiful mission statement? Yes, it is. So the U.S. House of Representatives debated expansion of hate crime legislation on April 29th, 2009. During the debate, Representative Virginia Fox of North Carolina called the hate crime labeling of Shepard's murder a hoax. What? An actual representative. Yeah. Fox later recalled her comments as a, quote, poor choice of words. Now the House passed the act. So the the Matthew Shepard Act was adopted as an amendment to a previous act on October 22nd, 2009. And... President Barack Obama signed the measure into law October 28, 2009. In 1998, there was also an act proposed. It was called, I believe, the Shepard and Brandon Act, because it involved your case from Sunday Mm -hmm. that was put forth. I mean, this is, it wasn't signed into law until 2009. There was a lot of back and forth, and it would take a whole nother podcast for me to cover for you everything that happened, but just know that Brandon's case and Matthew's case has often been combined with one another to show legislators why there needs to be harsher punishment for hate crimes. Mm-hmm. These cases have been used as a catalyst for that. In a that was a very short synopsis here, but I don't want to take up you know another forty five minutes of 
time right. going through the past, you can easily look it up, but it was rejected time and time again. The fight that the family has, Matt Shepard's family and friends have put forward to make sure that this stuff has harsh punishments is amazing to me that they have been fighting for now. Absolutely. I mean, that's a long fight and I'm really thankful that they continued to, to fight for. Yeah. We're talking upwards of 23 years since this, and you know, this murder took place. Uh I mean, I feel like it's such a different, I mean, obviously any type of murder is wrong and, but these, you know, the hate crimes, I feel like it does need to be brought to light when, Mm -hmm. when they happen and, it does need to be taken into consideration. It's a whole other, you know, piece that we just really it need does. to be aware it, it of. It does, exactly. And, and it does need to be taken into consideration during sentencing. It does. I agree. And I want to end on this note. In June 2019, Matt Shepard was one of the inaugural 50 American, quote, pioneers, trailblazers, and heroes inducted on the National LGBTQ Wall of Honor within the Stonewall National Monument in New York City's Stonewall Inn. Oh, yeah. Nice. I didn't know that. It's the first U.S. national monument dedicated to LGBTQ rights and history. And the wall's unveiling was timed to take place during the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. Wow. Oh, I thought that was really cool. So I yeah, wanted to, that is really neat. to add that there's been lots of books, lots of, of things in, in pop culture after this. It has inspired numerous works, including documentary and narrative films and television shows, stage plays such as The Laramie Project, and musical and written works. Additionally, NBA player Jason Collins wore the jersey number 98 in honor, in honor of Shepard during the 2013 Twelve thirteen season with the Boston Celtics and the Washington Wizards, and he came out as gay the following season. After Collins joined the Brooklyn Nets in 2014, NBA marketing reported high interest in the 98 jersey and high sales once the item became available for purchase. Oh, wow. That cool? Look at all this stuff that's happened. I mean, yeah. obviously, this never should have happened. Nope. But thankfully, good came out of it and change came out of it. Yes. So. And like I said, grab that book, um, The Meaning of Matthew, My Son's Murder in Laramie, and A World Transformed. I would really like to Judy. read that. Yeah. It's, it was a Especially good one. hearing about Judy and just the kind of mom she was. Mm-hmm. Yep. It sounds like it would be a good read. Rest in peace, Matt. We hope yes. that we've brought um, some awareness to. And there's um, so many more out there, too. You can also These get were, on to. Uh, MatthewShepardFoundation.org. There's a lot of great information on there, too. That's oh. the foundation okay. uh, page. Too. Yeah, yeah. But I this might not even be the last week we cover them no. because there's yeah. so many. There are. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But are you ready I, for I a brain I'm ready. Bath? I'm ready. So you really inspired me with your personal brain bath that you told about the watermelon. The watermelon. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's touched so many lives. It, it really has. We've gotten... <laughs> A lot, a lot of our Patreons especially They've have really appreciated that. that. I decided that the moment this was happening, after I knew I was safe, that I had to share it with the world. This, this happened to me yesterday. Oh, okay. And it's just going to give you some insight into possibly how paranoid slash crazy I really am. Oh, um, you're speaking my language. <laughs> yes, yes. So picture it. Sicily, 1976. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um. And you know what? I'm going to take that back. Don't picture it. Trust me. I'm in the shower. 
All right. So I'm sorry that I even okay, opened just, this with a picture in it. Guys. I get why you're like, I'm retracting Jesus. that statement. Yes. But here I am. Let me, I, I'm taking a shower in the master bedroom. And just to give you a little explanation, you have to walk through my room. Then we have a room that has our closets in it. And then from that room, you can get to the bathroom. Okay. okay so there, there is some rooms little, you yes. have to go through, right? Mm-hmm. There's no door on the actual bathroom the door is on the closet so there's you know it opens and closes like a regular door all right I did not close it I'm home alone like I'm taking a shower right bedroom doors open closet slash bathroom door is open no big deal puppy is laying one of I have two but one is laying on the mat when I have to step over her of Uh course she's (laughs) always got to know what I'm doing yep oh I, I understand that so I'm showering, and all of a sudden, I hear the bedroom door slam. Oh, no. Nope. And I'm home alone, naked. Like, this is it. Uh, th- this, yeah, this is how it ends. Yes. And, yep. And just like you, I'm not going to be taken by surprise. Mm-mm. Like, okay, I'm ready for this, right? Even more disturbing. Throw that curtain back. Well, this is what I did. Because... My puppy, who's all, so kind and sweet, she's actually currently licking my hand right now, growled a little. Oh, God. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. omf we're not, not today. We are not doing this. I briefly think razor, right? I just shaved my legs. I'm like, Go for the razor. Mm-hmm. Okay, that razor barely shaved your chicken legs. It's not cutting <laughs> It's an someone, old one. Right? Darn it. So this is what I do. I grab conditioner and I rub it all over my body. Because I'm thinking, if we're going to do this, I'm going to be a slippery fish, okay? (laughs) If this is how this is going down in the shower, I will be covered in conditioner. There is nothing more slippery than conditioner. You're so right. All right? And since you know this happened yesterday and I'm alive and well today, I will say Mike's skin is quite soft today. Oh, noted. Maybe I'll have to try this. It's not a bad idea. So I hurry and I put this conditioner all over my extremities yeah, as much fully as I can. Lubed up. Right? Then I grab, we have one of those little, it's like an old bar that you can hang um, your washcloths over. Oh, yeah. It yeah. pops out easily. It's made of plastic, but it's kind of sharp. I pop that sucker out <laughs> and I'm armed with slicked up conditioner and this plastic pointy ass thing that's uh-huh. now going to be used in my mind as a weapon oh, okay yeah and i'm this is the final i've fight. got it planned that it's either going to be jabbed into an armpit or a neck like okay. that's where i'm picturing this because my dog is still growling oh i my shut gosh. i shut the water the shower off i rip over the open the curtain my hand is shaking with this plastic thing in it and i'm like maggie it's okay it's gonna be okay i'm like hello show yourself motherfucker <laughs> Okay, like, this is what I'm saying. Reveal yourself, coward. I am dripping conditioner and water all over my hardwood floor. Walking through the closet ever so, you know, slightly. Walking's not even right. I am slipping. I was just going to say. Oh, it's awful. Slip on the conditioner. A hundred percent. Don't let it drip to your feet. This was not well thought out. Okay, because... Had someone been in the house and got a hold of me, I would have had to slither <laughs> out the front door because I wouldn't have been able to run. Slithering naked out, yes. out of the 
knows? So they might not have been able to get a hold of me, but I wouldn't have been able to get a hold of myself. (laughs) Okay, that part was not well thought out. I approach my my master, the bedroom, right? And it's still hardwood floor. And I'm like trying to sound really aggressive. Like I, you know. Like this is it. Yeah, yeah. And I realize as I step in, our big picture windows in the room are open. (gasps) I did not know prior to leaving for the day, my husband had shut off the air conditioning and opened the windows. So the door it slamming created the a was vacuum. Simply just suction. Yes. Slamming oh my the gosh. door. And the reason that Maggie was growling was because she could hear Molly on the other side of the bedroom door, like, hey bitches, you shut me out. I want in too. So she was like, Hey sis. Ma- yeah, yeah. I'm in here with mom. That's what the oh whole thing was gosh. about. And I'm standing, I opened the door. I was cautious when I opened the door, though I still had the plastic weapon uh-huh. wielding it in my hand. <laughs> Open the door just to see Molly st- sitting there wagging her little tail like, hey, jerks, why'd you shut why'd me out? Why'd you forget me? Yep. Oh, my God. That That is this is me. Amazing. Then I'm standing there like, you got to get your ass back into the shower and rinse, rinse off the conditioner. So I'm scooting, slithering my way. The dogs are sniffing the conditioner that's dripping off me. I'm like, no, 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 guys. Don't don't eat that. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Hold on. I'm getting a towel. Like, it was a mess. It was an absolute mess, but I was not going down without no, a fight. No. And all I could think of was I know most of the police officers and first responders in our small community. And I'm like, they're going to find me naked. Naked this and is slippery. more Charnel than they wanted to see. And then I'm like, what are they? They're going to ask about the conditioner. Like, <laughs> why do you think she had conditioner all over her body? I mean, these are things that are all running through my head after the fact of like, if it had been a murderer and I had been found, do you think the autopsy technician would have been like, conditioner, what is she doing? why does she use so much? I know she's got a lot of hair, but why did she use so much? All why I is it in her belly button? I would make sure that that was included in your your story. My, my podcast yes, story that you absolutely. did on me? Absolutely. Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> we can tell she fought. But you she might, fought hard. You might have got the facts wrong, though. Somebody might not have like thought to, you know, realize she slicked herself up to make it make herself more slippery. You're right. That that information might get misconstrued it through could. reports. It just, it just been like and it turns out she Charnel. conditioned her body, not just her hair. <laughs> yes. Or or Charnel lived a kinky lifestyle. <laughs> There's no other there explanation no right there. <laughs> All we found were her two dogs and her naked body slicked up in condition. Her lathered body. Fuck. (laughs) Laying there with the dogs. You know what? This is a good lesson for me because if it's ever peanut butter, I will think about how I might be found. (laughs) So I'm not. I'm not going down in the history Peanut butter. No, you do not want that name for yourself. Not when you own pets. (laughs) Yep. Yep, you. We will make sure that doesn't happen. Thank you. Thank you. We've. It's now in the universe as documented proof. So, not, you can not bring, that kind of girl. That's right. That's right. Not my bag. Oh my gosh, that's the best. The best. Uh, I almost texted it to you, but I was like, no, I want her genuine reaction when I tell her because this would ordinarily be something we would text one another. Like, oh, for sure, you have to hear what I just did. And I, usually, we send photo proof. I would have sent you a photo of my chicken leg, lathered, 
in conditioner. That's not cheap, by the way. Damn it. No, just we just made a trip so to Ulta. We and did. that stuff is not cheap. It's so, so expensive. Yes. I would also make sure that was noted in your story that you used high-end conditioner. On not your just run-of-the-mill. Yeah, it was not suave. No. So. No. Oh my gosh. Just expensive conditioner. No, I agree though. When I hear noises or I often do a sweep of my perimeter. Of course. Um, I, more than I care to admit. <laughs> I'm ready. Like, no, we're we're gonna we're, su- doing this. we're gonna know right now. I'm gonna surprise you trying to surprise me. Yes. That's and that's where I was at yesterday. Surprise, bitch, I'm wearing conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> if it would have been someone breaking in, I would like to think they would have like they looked at you like, "What the what? heck?" I, sure. I'm gonna go for sure. I'm gonna go now. So <laughs> I don't, I don't want whatever this is Gives that's you going their weapon, on here. Like, here, take this. Take this. I'm <laughs> out. You look like you need it. Oh Arm my gosh. shaking, <laughs> plastic stick thing. It was pointy, though. It would have got the job done. I have been victim of the vacuum door thing several times, it's and horrible. it scares the crap out of me. Yes. So I totally get... What scares me worse is, what if it's not a human and it's a ghost? How do I... Oh. I can't defend myself against that. Not even conditioner no. will scare them away. Nope. But it was... We'll the... have to figure that one out another uh, time. Yes. And I also have not told my husband yet <laughs> the extent I was waiting for him to slip a little bit on some of the conditioner that maybe I might have missed to lead into the story yes but- by the way I know how that conditioner <laughs> got there next time you open the windows tell a girl yeah right because I would have immediately known oh that was oh, just it was the vacuum. yes yeah because mm-hmm. that happens all- we have so many doors in this house that it's constant it's constant when the um windows are open right oh my yeah. gosh so there it is. That is amazing. That is like my favorite story I've ever heard. Thank you. So thank you yeah, for sharing it with the I, world. I had to get your genuine reaction. And uh, if you guys have funny stories like that, send, send them, them to us. You can even send them to us like in a voice message or video message. If you don't want to type it all out, we will accept that as well. Uh, Facebook or um, Crime Curious at Yahoo.com. And we will include them. You can even remain anonymous if you'd like to. Absolutely. Yeah, but or just... now that you know that we're really freaking weird. Absolutely. <laughs> embrace yours just too and let us know name. who you are. No. Absolutely. <laughs> Join the fam. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, hey, follow us on social media and uh, keep it curious. Not so curious that you lather yourself with conditioner in an attempt to save your own life. <laughs> Almost killing yeah. (laughs) At the same time, almost killing yourself. And uh, yeah, reasonably curious. And until next time, everyone, bye-bye.